Yes, we're back. I'm sure you've all been wondering, where has the NPO podcast gone? Well, we took a brief uh, vacation last week, so we were away, uh, getting refreshed, and we're back and ready to resume. So fear not. We have not abandoned the ship. We have not abandoned you. We have not abandoned the cause. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another NPO podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so very easily by going to either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on which device you use, and simply search out the NPO podcast and click subscribe. If you'd prefer a third-party podcast aggregator app, go to either of those two aforementioned app stores and simply load or subscribe to the Podbean app. You can download the Podbean app from those places. Podbean is the hosting service we use. Any way you subscribe, you'll be able to be notified as soon as a new episode is uploaded. You'll be able to leave reviews. You'll be able to make comments, uh, make recommendations. And we really would appreciate some positive reviews and positive comments as it will only help us to grow the show. Well, as I've said many times in recent weeks on the show, uh, that I believe the word for 2021, the political word for 2021, with respect to not only American politics, but many political situations around the world, but particularly in the United States, is going to be hypocrisy. Because every time I turn around, I see more hypocrisy on evident display. All we heard when President Trump was president is how he was trying to take away people's freedoms, and he was a racist, and he was this, and he was that, and he was trying to act like a dictator. And what have we seen? What we've seen is since... Joe Biden's administration has come in, the puppet regime, as I like to call it, him being pulled uh, like a marionette on strings by powers on high. The people that are the real money in the Democratic, uh, or the Communist Democratic, Democratic Communist Party of the United States, I should say. What are they doing? They're trying to codify in a House resolution the same sort of chicanery that took place in the six swing states in which they stole the election. They're trying to remove the autonomy of the states to have any say-so in how elections are held, which is something specifically guaranteed to the states in the United States Constitution. But in order to do that, you'd have to somehow circumvent the Constitution. Well, how do you do that? You can't change what's written in the Constitution. It's there, carved in stone. But wait... As a result of the 1804 decision of Marbury versus Madison, we have the power of judicial review. So the Supreme Court of the United States, the supposedly weakest branch of government, the judiciary, they get to reserve to themselves what is constitutional and what is unconstitutional. Now, when the court is manned by prudent, honest judges of integrity, this is not a problem. When you have people that are put on a court for the express purpose of achieving a certain result, then we do have a problem. Now, as a consequence of President Trump's very successful term and the good fortune of certain events, good fortune politically, not always fortunate for people who passed away, but every president usually gets an opportunity to nominate a justice. President Trump had the unprecedented opportunity in just four years to nominate three justices to the 
U.S. Supreme Court. He nominated Neil Gorsuch. He nominated Brett Kavanaugh. And he nominated Amy Coney Barrett to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So he nominated three justices. And this was a cause of great angst on the part of the Democrats. And why? Because they had a very specific plan. You see, the Supreme Court, the judiciary, is the way that the Democrats, the liberals, the uber-leftists, force down the throats of the American people policies and laws, for lack of a better term, as a result of case law decisions, things that the American people generally oppose. Many conservatives have made the statement, myself included, that this country uh, during the Obama years and whenever a Democrat's in office has been governed against the will of the people. And so now they are very, very afraid. They're very, very afraid of what President Trump was able to accomplish, how someone who wasn't part of the club was able to run the table and become president of the United States. Someone who wasn't really a true Republican, wasn't a Democrat, he was an outsider, and he got inside into what is supposed to be a closed shop. They don't ever want that to happen again. So they need to make some fundamental changes. But that damn Constitution is always in the way. So what are they to do about it? It's very simple. They're going to resurrect an old idea, retread, something that FDR, the quintessential liberal, the hero of the left in the 20th century, and they're going to try and see if they can succeed where he failed. FDR was also faced with a conservative court, and he wanted to ram a lot down the throats of the American people, and I shudder to think what the country would be like today had he been successful in what I'm referring to, which you all probably have guessed by now, is the famous court packing plan. President Roosevelt wanted to raise the number of justices on the Supreme Court, appoint all the new ones himself, all uber left of center, so that the balance of the court would shift. The Democrats are proposing the same thing. They don't want to go to 15 because they don't need to go to 15. Roosevelt, I think, had to go to 15 because there were that many conservative judges on the court that they needed to go to 15 in order to tip the balance. Right now, the court is 6-3 conservative, but really in practical matters 5-4 because Roberts really can't be counted as a conservative. But operating on the assumption that there are six who are conservative, you need at least seven who are not conservative. So if you have three already, I'm sorry, uh, yes, three already who are liberal, you need four more. So four and nine gives you 13. And they're using the specious argument that the reason why they want to go to 13 is because there are 13 circuits, which is insane. As I've said before, there is no reason to expand the court except for political reasons. There certainly isn't any reason based on workload. The court hears fewer and fewer cases each year. They hear far fewer cases today than they did 30 years ago. There's no reason to have 13 justices. We've had over um, 150 years or more with nine justices on the court with no problem. But if you put 13 justices on the court and you stack it with liberals, then the Constitution no longer becomes a problem. The very thing that the Founding Fathers wrote in order to act as a guidepost and prevent this sort of tyranny going on, prevent people running off the rails, was the Constitution, which they expected men of honor and women of honor to adhere to. 
the Democratic Communist Party of America is anything but. And so they want to do away with the Constitution. Now, they can't just eliminate it, but by getting a preponderance of liberal judges on the court, they can get judicial decisions whereby the court will say that it doesn't mean what it says. It means something else. And that the power of the states to run their elections really isn't codified in the Constitution. It's not unconstitutional if the federal government were to mandate it, and that would be the end of the country. That would be the end of everything as we know it. If we allow something like that, instead of hearing State of the Union speeches, instead of hearing um, newscasts, you're probably going to hear something that sounds more like this. That is the famous phrase, Zig Heil, in Germany. That was the German greeting in the cult of the Nazi Third Reich. That's what dictators do. That's what you're having right now. Dictators have dictated the decline of many American businesses over the course of the last year under COVID. Not at the federal level, until, of course, January 20th, when sleepy Joe Biden took over. Governors in the liberal states did this to us, closing down businesses without a basis in fact, locking people up in their homes based on fear, and now generously suggesting to us that because we've been good subjects, it's safe to open up. Who was leading the charge to open up now all of a sudden, having had some of the most restrictive policies? But our benighted governor here in New York, Governor Benito Cuomo, yes, Benito Mussolini Cuomo, is now generously going to open up the tri-state area. Many of the restrictions in New York and surrounding states will be lifted later this month, announced uh, Il Duce, Governor Benito Cuomo. Beginning on Wednesday, May 19th, most capacity restrictions will end across the tri-state area. The governor said that today in a press conference in Albany. This will be a major reopening of economic and social activity. This will include rules about how many people are allowed in stores and gyms and so forth. In New York City, Broadway may reopen. And now Cuomo has announced that New York City may be able to fully reopen by July 1st. But Bill de Blasio, the mayor, who also butts heads with Cuomo, had already announced without consulting with Cuomo that he was planning on opening the city on July 1st. de Blasio even bragged to reporters that he had not spoken with Cuomo before announcing the date. Cuomo supposedly laughed about this when asked about de Blasio mocking him. You know, it's funny how people grow a big pair of cojones after the news decides to arbitrarily stop covering certain things. Wasn't it just a few weeks ago that the news cycle was rife with all of these women who came out and accused Cuomo of sexual harassment. There's that hypocrisy again. Where's the Me Too movement? Why aren't they leading the charge against getting rid of this idiot, this dumb strunz up in Albany? Wasn't it just a few weeks ago that these same media people were talking about the investigation that the Attorney General, Letitia James, had opened up 
and the calls for resignation based on these sexual harassment cases and worse yet, the nursing home scandal, all the deaths after it became revealed that they fudged numbers, that they're the ones that caused the deaths. All of this has disappeared. No one seems to care about it anymore. You don't think he's a dictator? You don't think the Democratic Party are dictators? They've got the news media in their back pocket. They have a state-controlled media for all uh, intent and purposes, the same way that the Nazis had and the fascists in Italy and the communists have in Soviet Russia and present-day communist China. They control everything. They're going to control the means of information so that everything you get is skewed in their favor. They're going to control the courts. They're going to massage the Constitution through their control of courts to mold it into whatever they see fit to mold it into or whatever they need to have it say in order to facilitate their nefarious goals. You're living in a communist dictatorship right now. It just hasn't been advertised as such. But if the midterm elections do not forestall the shadows that we see coming, these shadows are not going to be shadows any longer. They're going to be what you live under in the light of day. A very, very dark black cloud. But there are selfish reasons why the, why the governor is doing what he's doing. You think he's doing it because science has told him this? Really? Well, not really. It turns out we've discovered, we've learned, that the governor's youngest daughter is getting married in June. Getting married to the son of a judge, a current law student at Fordham Law, former New York City firefighter. I'm not going to mention names because it's of no consequence. The real story here is that the governor wants his daughter to have a big wedding. And you can't very well have a 500-person wedding when social distancing restrictions are in place and you have limits of 150 people on the reception. Now, can you? If you're thinking what I'm thinking, that if Governor Cuomo's daughter weren't getting married next month, that these restrictions wouldn't be being lifted, you're correct. They wouldn't be. As with everything else, this dumb strunz does. He's selfish, and he thinks who the hell he is. But Benito Mussolini also thought who the hell he was. He wound up being hung by his heels upside down and killed. Now, I'm not one to advocate violence against anyone. But I can tell you that when people are pushed to a limit, and I alluded to this on this show before, when people are pushed beyond a certain limit, people who are law-abiding, people who want to rely on the system and on the courts to resolve their differences with others and with their government, when they come to the conclusion that the law no longer is the law, that it's being manipulated and that the deck is stacked, and they therefore have no, ch- no choice other than to simply grin and bear it or strike back, some are going to strike back. And I suspect that that movement is building right now. I see this dissatisfaction with the status quo building whenever I speak to people, whenever people email me. And by the way, I should mention, we would like you to get more involved in the show, quite beyond the reviews. If you have a question or a topic you'd like me to cover, please, by all means, email us at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com.
And if you'd like me to come and speak at one of your events, the local Republican committee and such forth, by all means, email me at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. We see all these police cases that are highlighted. Here locally in New York, there's now a big DOJ investigation into the Mount Vernon Police Department, which is a small police department in a town in southern Westchester County. We have the George Floyd conviction. We have the investigation of Kim Potter, the officer who inadvertently shot uh, Duante Wright instead of reaching for her taser and grabbed her sidearm. Every time we turn around, some police officer is being investigated. But the Capitol Police, who killed Ashley Babbitt, not being investigated. Now, there is a hearing taking place in Washington. Very interesting. Very interesting. The House Republicans have requested a hearing with the Capitol Police Board for the first time in 76 years because they want to know exactly what happened with these supposed Capitol riots. You know, it's the hypocrisy word keep coming back. They still have fencing around the Capitol. And the people who want the fencing, Nancy Pelosi in, in particular, doesn't want any fence on the southern border, but she wants fence around her to keep her safe. So it's funny how fences and walls don't work to keep people out of the United States, but she seems to believe they certainly work to keep people out of Capitol Hill, the people's house. But it's very interesting that the Republicans want to speak to the Capitol Police Board, because as I've said before, the only case recently of police brutality, which is out-and-out brutality and out-and-out murder, was the execution of Ashley Babbitt in the Capitol by a police officer from the Capitol Police. I wish I could give you his name. Unfortunately, we don't know his name. Much more evidence of the Sig Heil community we're living under. If this were New York City, you'd not only know the officer's name, you'd know how long he'd been on the force by now, you'd know how many civilian complaints he had, you'd know where he lived, you'd know where his wife worked, you'd know where his children went to school, and his life would be made a living hell. This officer, we don't even know who he is. I hear rumors that he was a lieutenant, but beyond that, we don't know who he is. And what he engaged in was simple murder. I explained in great detail, and you can go back and look over the episodes, the laws governing the justification of the use of deadly force. There was not deadly force being imminently threatened against that officer or anyone else in the Capitol at that moment. And there was no other articulable crime for which deadly physical force has been accepted to be used in many states, like in New York, that was taking place at the moment that that woman, Ashley Babbitt, was shot. There was no robbery in progress. There was no burglary in progress. There was no arson in progress, no rape in the first degree, no sodomy in the first degree, no kidnapping, no manslaughter, nothing that would justify the use of deadly force. And as I've also pointed out many times, in the immediate aftermath of Ashley Babbitt being shot and fell to the ground, she was surrounded by uniform officers in riot gear. This idiot, and that's what he was, and I'm not one for second-guessing police officers, but this time I don't think I'm second-guessing. I saw it with my own eyes on video. This idiot fired into a crowd that included police officers, and he killed Ashley Babbitt. The fact that there's not even 
a trial going to be held, that they've already cleared him of any wrongdoing is a disgrace. And I hope that when the Republicans have this hearing for the first time in 76 years and speak to the Capitol Police Board, that somebody raises these issues. Because the only person raising them right now are the attorney for the Babbitt family. The attorney for the officer, we know his name, Mark Schammel, has told news outlets that the officer warned Babbitt and others who were behind the door attempting into the Capitol. What could he warn them of? Don't come in here, I'll shoot you? Based on what authority? Based on what set of facts? He's claiming it's a false narrative that he issued no verbal commands. I don't give a hoot what command he gave. If I'm not operating under the laws of justification, if my use of force is not justified based on the facts that are presented and the circumstances presented, I could issue all the warnings I want about stay back, stay back, I'm going to shoot, stay back, I'm going to shoot. If I'm not justified in shooting, that's it. It's like saying, I'm going to spit on you. Don't move. If you spit on me, I'll shoot you. Well, guess what? It's not, it's not permissible under the law to shoot someone who's trying to spit on you. You can say all you want and give all the warnings you want. Don't come in here. Don't come in here. You shoot, you're still wrong. Now, attorney Terrell Roberts for the Babbitt family is disputing the account given by Mark Schammel, the, officer, uh, the officer's attorney. Quote, we've interviewed several witnesses on the same side of the door with Ashley Babbitt. This, as he told journalist Cheryl Atkinson on May 2nd. They didn't hear any kind of warning. I think a reasonable officer would know, given the noise on the other side of the door, that anything he's saying would not be heard. According to video footage of the incident, the officer appears to issue no commands to stop or any verbal warning that he would fire. Quote, Robert said, in fact, if you watch the video carefully, there's an officer in a suit that strolls across the highway. I'm sorry, strolls across the hallway at the time that the officer who fired is supposedly yelling the announcement. And this officer in the suit doesn't even seem to react to that. So those are important factors why we think he didn't give an announcement. Video footage recorded by Capitol Breach participants shows the officer taking a defensive position in a doorway before aiming his weapon and shooting Babbitt, who appeared to be trying to climb through a broken window in the door. Officials later said that Babbitt, a U.S. Air Force veteran, reportedly had no weapon. Now, I want to tell you something. I know a lot of police officers, and I've seen a lot in my lifetime. No damage of any kind really was done to the Capitol, aside from a few broken windows to get into a, through a doorway to get in there. People were pissed off over an election they thought was stolen. So someone sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair. Ooh, how dare they? How dare they sit into the throne of the queen? What damage? What an affront to her authority. I have nothing but contempt for that officer or that lieutenant who fired at that woman. You have to be a feeble-minded idiot, a really, really empty shell of a human being to engage in such a cowardly act, 
firing into a crowd of unarmed people, firing into a crowd that included fellow law enforcement people for no justifiable reason. And he's being protected as if he's some sort of hero. Remember, Charles M. Russell, Montana, 1926. Guard, protect, and cherish your land, for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven. Better wake up, people. If you don't, if you don't start writing to your representatives, if you don't start showing up at the polls and voting for the right people and taking back the House, this is going to become your regular accompaniment to your morning coffee. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.